Well, it looks like it's one o'clock, so we're getting, we're about ready to start. As with uh, any kind of technical thing, we seem to be having some technical difficulties today with our um, cameras, so we're going to be doing this just uh, audio, but we still have some great speakers, and I'd like to thank everyone for joining us today. My name is Hanson Longfellow, and I'll be the moderator. I have a couple of housekeeping items. Um, everybody's going to be muted until the Q&A portion of the webinar is over. Uh, you may drop questions into the question box for them for me to take a look at and ask at the end. The pandemic has brought multiple effects on businesses, and today we have two PSP owners uh, with us to discuss how their companies have evolved in the past year and are growing. Teresa Cloutier is the managing partner and senior vice president of marketing and customer service and customer experience in DMM located in Scarborough, Maine. Doug Switzer is the owner of Vision Direct, located in Indianapolis, Indiana. I'd like to introduce our president, Gautam Kanwar, for a few opening remarks. Thank you, Anson. Um, well, sorry, guys, that our cameras do not work today. We were very much looking forward to seeing everybody, but technology. Um, on behalf of all Belvo team, let me uh, welcome our very cool panelists, our customers, our prospective customers, partners, and competitors. I think um, uh, my friends Teresa and Doug have decades of experience. My guess is I was in high school um, when they were uh, running shops, uh, various sized, um, all over the country. We as a company were introduced to customer communications way back in 2004 um, at a Blue Cross Blue Shield facility of New York. It was a Xerox managed services uh, location. And over the last 16, 17 years, we are very proud that we got to work with some of the finest people um, and some of the best uh, print service providers, uh, both PSPs and implants. We are mostly a IT uh, side company. We understand enough about machinery on the floor, uh, the inserters, camera systems, MRDF, um, barcodes and all. 
to support the print operations on the floor, but we stay focused on the on the north uh, north of actual printing, the all creation of files and all. So typically our services for the PSP areas are uh, workflow automation, your document composition through Quadi and OpenText, et cetera, uh, integrations with USPS, billing, inventory, and all. PSP market is very important for us, and we have tried to um, choose topic for this webinar that would be relevant to a lot of folks. Um, we are hoping you will get uh, to learn lots of cool tricks um, and please do provide us your feedback and also give us ideas on what would be helpful for you guys in, in future because we want to continue going in this series, bringing very cool people from industry from whom all of us could learn and grow from. So without much further delay, let me give the control back to Henson and let's all enjoy a great webinar. Thank you so much. I don't know if it's a webinar now or a conference call. But you know, you're gonna be able to you're gonna be able to roll with technology. Thank you, Gautam. And first I want to take time also to thank uh, both Teresa and Doug. I know you have busy schedules. I know you both have companies that are growing. And um, Teresa, I'd just like to know if you could give us a high-level overview of DMM and your role within the company. Certainly. Thank you for uh, inviting me to join today. Um, DMM is a, a 38-year-old privately held document solutions provider. The company was started actually by my father um, over 37 years ago. We started out as a data service bureau um, and a direct mail provider servicing businesses in northern New England developing databases, data hygiene, data processing. Um, and then as document composition technology became more mainstream and customization became more cost effective and the evolution of marketing away from um, mass marketing to more one-to-one -one customizable marketing, we evolved as a service provider specializing in data-driven transactional print and mail and variable data printing. So today, um, our business is 80% transactional, 20% uh, direct mail, transactional, um, by that I mean statements, invoices, explanation of benefits, 401k um, plans, that sort of thing. Um, I've been working with the company for over 20 years. I started out um, in customer service and marketing, and now I, I manage those areas. Well, thank you, Teresa. And I think you're being... Um, yeah. You're definitely uh, downplaying. I know that you were, you've gone from all the way from reception all the way down the line, so you know pretty much uh, just about everything, right? You've been uh, yeah, well, working in print mail since business. you were what five? <laughs> yeah, welcome to family business. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, Teresa, how big is your facility? Uh, we have two facilities. Our corporate head, we have a sixty thousand square foot facility in Scarborough, Maine and a 62,000 square foot facility in North Wales, PA. Um, and we do load balancing back and forth. We have over 125 employees. And um, I think we do about 6 million images a day. Wow. And Doug, um, can you uh, give us a high level view of uh, your company, Vision Direct, and your role? 
Sure. Yeah, high level um, Vision Direct. We're family owned as well. I started in the mid 90s after working for um, a large direct mail company here in Indianapolis. Um, started out as a one man consulting effort, turned it into a full service, you know, variable data driven. I, I consider myself a marketing, uh, a market um, service provider, um, mail service provider rather. But uh, back in the day when I started, there were printers and there were mailers. And of course, all that's changed, but I chose to focus on technology-driven uh, marketing mail and to a lesser extent, uh, statement processing. So where Teresa's business is 80-20, I'm, I'm the exact opposite. I'm 20% um, statement work and 80% and marketing mail. Um, we've uh, uh, made a, I made a conscious decision back then and, and still to this day, I, I chose not to get into offset ink on paper. Um, we've grown quite a bit since a one man show. Um, I've endured uh, the challenges that this market has thrown at us. Uh, we built uh, our custom, uh, custom building back in 04 um, and I was fortunate enough to buy enough land to, to, to plan for an expansion, um, which we did in 2002, you know, 2019 and 20. So we've, we've now got about 70,000 square feet under roof, uh, one location. Um, our growth strategy has been heavily focused on technology to support, uh, you know, highly um, personalized, engaging direct mail packages. Um, from a from a service standpoint, you know we've got uh, high speed inserters, match capability, um, output scanning uh, to support statement type work, uh, lots of inkjets, uh, lots of black and white color laser printers uh, because that was our our bread and butter for variable uh, communication, um, plow folding, gluing, card fixing, tipping. Um, we've got a rotary die line coming in uh, in the next two weeks. Uh, we added uh, variable color inkjet, uh, a RICO system uh, back a year ago. Uh, and we've got a high-speed carton erecting fulfillment line coming in next week as well. So we're, we're growing. Um, I, and I couldn't do it without, you know, my son is a big gearhead. Uh, he's been involved since college days. So he's, he's a, great, a great asset. And then I've got a great team of, uh, of employees working for us, associates. Uh, we're, we're probably about 45 right now with a lot of attempts. 45 strong. Um, and you've got a part of your building is geothermal, isn't it? That's pretty yeah. interesting. Yeah, we uh, when we built the original building, it was geothermal. You know, we obviously have a strong recycling effort. We, uh, we've actually got a, uh, a victory garden in the back too, so. Um, wow. Yeah. Definitely gonna have to come out and see that. So and we, a, we heat the warehouse with uh, recycled oil. So we, awesome. we've got some green initiatives going. Definitely, because we definitely we, uh, we know we need to be sustaining what we can. Um, I have a question for you. You know, with regard of the at the start of the pandemic, what were some of the challenges you faced uh, regarding keeping your team safe and continuing to meet deadlines? You want to take that, Teresa, and I'll follow. Or ladies first, Teresa. <laughs> okay. Um, I think the. Uh... For me and for us here, I think the biggest challenge was um, staffing and making sure that um, 
I mean, we did the standard, you know, sanitizing of the workstations and um, social distancing. Um, but I think the flex staffing and encouraging people if they didn't feel well to stay home and not come into the office, um, which sometimes led to them having to get tested because um, we didn't want people coming back in if they weren't tested properly, um, which led to quarantining. Because although we had staff outside the company um, come down with the virus, no one brought it into the company. So it was really critical on a daily basis that um, we communicate with our, with our internal staff about making sure that they were safe in the outside world and they didn't bring it in here. And people were pretty good, uh, pretty good about it. We never had a case transfer internally. Um, but the challenge was, I think, was the flex staffing and the quarantining and making sure that uh, people understood that. Um, and as a result, like I said, we stayed open. We didn't um, have any cases internally. And I think with the sanitization of the workstations and the type of environment we have here, um, we did the right things. But I think it was a challenge. The staffing, I think, was the biggest challenge um, and still remains to be as some people um, have the flexibility to work at home and some are working inside the shop. It's a, it's a good point. I, I would think too, um, a lot of a lot of the equipment requires teams. So if you have somebody else, if it's a longer piece of equipment, you got to have two people that can work together and, but also keep socially distant. Right. And we're a, a, a 100% secured facility. So we had very strict and still do um, uh, entry guidelines. There were people that came if you you couldn't come in and you still can't come into into our facility unless you have an appointment and um, we have very strict reception guidelines it was funny my cousin who i hadn't seen in like 20 years came in to drop something off and the receptionist wouldn't let him in we had a we had a bench outside in the uh in the foyer and she called out to the foyer and told him he needed to he needed to leave it in the foyer so um, <laughs> but it was it was kind of ironic that it was a family member but they were not allowed in so I, I think that that keeping the strict you know entry guidelines and making sure that people didn't come to work when they uh, didn't feel well um, I think that really helped a great deal well, with the size of your family, you know, anybody could be coming in. So you guys got a big family in, in, in Portland. Um, Doug, how about you? What, what were some of the things that you, your team did? Well, we, well, we, we, we followed similar protocols. Oh, I'm getting an echo. Um, our biggest challenge was we, you know, we pulled the trigger on a, on a, a new building back uh, in the fall of 2019. And we had a, you know, we had an aggressive growth plan scheduled plan for 2020 and it certainly didn't include the uncertainty of the pandemic so when we we broke ground in the fall of 19 and we were building this building installing this press um, all during covid so although we're a we're we're a secure facility i hate to say it but all bets were off when we were opening up uh, one side to the other and 
you know, inundated with contractors. Uh, the RICO team, we had a RICO team in here for two months, working seven days a week, uh, living out of a hotel, um, just getting getting the print, uh, press line installed. So, you know, we, we like all companies, uh, trying to navigate through the ever-changing state guidelines, um, all the protocols, uh, a lot of communication with employees. I mean, we really, we dodged a bullet. I can't believe uh, with all of the activity, all of the unknown, you know, um, now, you know, the contractors all had their protocols and such, but we had no COVID cases. Um, I can't say that now because we're, we're going through it. It's, it's, uh, it's a different, a little different this time around, but um, we dodged a bullet and, um, that's 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 all i can say about that it's um it was a challenge <laughs> yes especially now you know it was interesting when we were coming up with a title for this because it's you know, how to evolve in a post-pandemic world and you know i'm not quite sure that we're out of that pandemic uh with uh, everything that's continuing to come to light but yeah i like that title i like that title when you uh when you asked us to do this a month or so ago, but um, you're right. And we first started promoting this, we thought, well, we'll be talking more about that, uh, you know, different things, but you know, even here in, uh, I, I live in Florida and there was mass mandates here at school. So it's it's definitely uh, continuing to pose challenges. Um, so what opportunities for improvement um, did the pandemic expose for you and, and your team, Teresa? Um, I would say one of the opportunities um, that it exposed was um, we found uh, it was an opportunity to work with our supply chain partners more closely. So some of our, we do a lot of, uh, you know, work sharing with different shops and we do some load balancing with our site in North Wales. Some of our supply chain partners had staffing issues when they were hit. So we um we it was an opportunity for us to do more business so we did get some work out of it um i think one of the other opportunities was with staff alternating working from home and office which we tried to do to be respectful of, of you know their positions we had to do a lot more cross training on accounts because i run the uh, customer service team so i think it was an opportunity to cross train staff um, and expand their still their skill sets, and um, that kind of gave us a deeper bench. Now we're we're flex staffing all the time. Um, we have some some of the customer service staff have have kids that have different varying needs going to school, and sometimes parents have to stay home and and uh, you know teach from home. So I think we're stronger that way. It gave us an opportunity to strengthen our skill sets. Um, I think the big thing was um, just we have to be, uh, it gave us the opportunity to be more creative in the way we communicate, right? Virtually and online. Um, we did stand up. It was weird to be in the office with a team of seven and do a huddle because we would do, you know, daily huddles on 
what was um, being done in production and what was mailing and what the challenges were. And those huddles, we would just meet out in the open office area. So now we would do in these virtual huddles every morning. And it, it was just weird because you'd be in your office. Everybody's in their, in their cube or their office, but no one is facing each other. So we, had, we learned and had to get comfortable with doing things virtually. So kind of like um, now. <laughs> you just got to roll with it. There's been so many different types of meeting softwares that everybody's using and trying to get used to and set it up. Yeah, uh, there's there's always a challenge for sure. Um, how did that change how you communicated with clients? Did, how what did you do differently to because client connection is very important, obviously. For, uh, the relationship is what helps us within our businesses all, all grow. Um, we did two things. We uh, upgraded our customer user portal to give clients uh, better accessibility, real-time visibility, and job tracking. So we we had to put some time and some effort into um, updating our user portal. That was uh, one thing. Um, we also expanded Office 365 and set up cameras on everybody's machines and gave people laptops to work from home so people could have have um, easy access and be able to um, hop on a meeting call whenever they needed. Um, we developed, uh, that gave us the opportunity to develop um, consistent meeting cadences with our customers and also um, with some of our contract partners as well. So um, making sure that we were leveraging contract partners like Bellwell, their tools, our own technology tools, and just trying to be consistent with communication. Thank you. So Doug, um, I know that there was probably some, definitely some opportunities for improvement um, during the pandemic. What are some of the uh, ways that you use your systems differently or, or changed up uh, how you were servicing your clients? Well, I, I like to think our client service team is highly proactive and, and communicative. Um, a lot more virtual calls, but uh, for, for my plan, it was difficult to, you know, to, to go virtual with employees. I mean, we're a manufacturing environment, so you know, the accountants and the programmers and that could sometimes could could be virtual if, if need be. But uh, it was truly business as usual for us and, and still is um, a lot more a lot more virtual calls with clients, obviously. Um, and during the pandemic, uh, you know, uh, no client, no client visits. So it's it's all phone and virtual. Um, and I think that's going to continue in a lot of cases. So. The biggest opportunity for us, one of the biggest ones was, uh, you know, it helped us recognize the talent we have and, and to work on retention. But, uh, you know, looking for new talent is, is obviously a big challenge for all of us. And, and it's, it's forcing us to, to really focus on, on all the suppliers uh, and partners because we're all having supply chain issues. Yes, that that was going to be my next question for you. With that with that new equipment in, um, what are some of the challenges that you've had in, in getting it installed, and and how are you working around that? And and I do believe you mentioned that you've had some supply chain issues as well. Oh yeah, yeah. we're having 
we're having some we're having a lots of challenges right now i i feel sorry for anyone that uh is jumping into this technology now because they might not be able to get paper um when we were having it when it was being installed i mean i had the opportunity back in march of uh 2020 to to hit the pause button with rico um and that might have been the safe thing to do but you know i i we really just kind of decided uh to to go for it and uh to use this uh, pause in business all over the country to to keep moving forward and be ready when things opened up. So um, that's what we did. Um, and paper was available then. Uh, we we actually uh, got it up and running in, in a, at a fast pace in in the fall and uh, took advantage of uh, the election cycle and really cut our teeth on some big runs. Uh, paper was available, but now it's it's a challenge. Um, I it's 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 tough. I'm I'm like a lot of folks uh, stockpiling, uh, buying on allocation, and and stockpiling as much paper as we can. And and you're you're buying out months in advance, so um, really hard to get a, a, a you know to get a beat on on what's going to happen. Uh, I I am told that this paper shortages are going to run into 2022. You must be using all that paper for, you know, other products since everything's running out of the stores, right? I, I think um, it's, uh, I had one uh, one consultant tell me it's like the uh, toilet paper uh, shortage that went on during the pandemic. That's what's happening now. Uh, yeah. All of the big, the big printers are hoarding it and buying as much as they can and and the smaller guys like us are, uh, are allocated. Yeah, and it's and I, you know there's supply chain issues all the way down. I've um, talked to a couple of, um, of clients that I work with, and you know they're having issues with parts. Like it's you know a simple part, but they can't get it. It needs a chip. We all know there's chip issues, so it's um, definitely a challenge in having people have to work together and try to find uh, solutions with partners and other companies that are kind of around. Uh, do you see? Um, Printers and suppliers, Teresa, do you feel like uh, people are working better together um, through the pandemic? Oh, I think you have to. Um, yes, I think that's been one of the positives that's come out of it. Um, we've found that um, we're working more closely with our um, our partners and our subcontractors. Um, one of the things we've done, um, I think, with the Bellwell team is we have it forced us to update our upgrade our, our development environment and um, have unique logons and provide access to some of our contractors to be able to hop on and help us. I mean, we have a team of programmers, but as an extension of our programming team, um, we needed uh, be, to be able to rely on more contracting staff to be able to get the job done, especially with uh, people coming in and out and not um, being in the office all the time. So it really forced us to move to um, also uh, automate some of our processes and take a look at automation a little bit more seriously. A lot of our processes are automated, but not from beginning to end. So we're in the process of doing that now and upgrading um, our systems to be able to um, operate um, not only from the plant, but also 
remotely um, with people that are working with us outside of uh, the physical plant. Thank you. Uh, what about, uh, this is going to be a touchy subject, but I'm going to bring it up because it's it's definitely been top of mind. How is How are the postal uh, delivery times affecting your business, Doug? Well, or are they affecting your business? Because you're mostly, you're more on the marketing side. I know that's a lot of time sensitive work material as well. Yeah, well, I tell you, a lot of our work uh, is is dropship. I mean, we're, we're focused in homes. Um, we're focused in homes, uh, heavily relying on um, on the trucking industry, and and truly that is a challenge. I mean, just today, um, FedEx said they, they you know they don't have enough room on the trucks for scheduled uh, you know appointments. So it's um, thank thank goodness I'm not shipping all the way to the West Coast frequently because uh, I mean there's just so many things affecting trucking right now, and and so that has a cascading effect on mail delivery. But I will say this, you know, we've got some major accounts. I've got one major account where we're in uh, 12 markets across the country. Everything is tracked and, and we are getting nearly first class service. Um, it's, it's letter mail, it's marketing mail, letter mail, uh, but it is dropship focused to the, to the SCF. And we've got some tools that we utilize to, uh, to communicate with the post office and, you know, we, we do some things to try to really uh, lend the visibility to the whole uh, process. Um, I, yeah, and you know, I, I think everybody knows that you know it's it's running slower. But um, I don't know about you, but I've noticed a lot. Uh, my mailbox is quite full of marketing mail recently, and it hadn't been for a while. So it does seem like that is uh, picking up. No, I, th I think it's. Uh, it, Obviously, it's a great channel and unrivaled. Uh, I see the metrics between uh, uh, email uh, with one of our clients. I mean, I, I, I see the response rates, and and nothing has a tail, uh, you know, a, a direct response curve like 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 tangible mail. So, what about you, Teresa? How how is the extended delivery affected um, your business? Because I know your, a lot of yours also has SLAs, and there's certain days that things need to get into people's hands when you're looking at uh, transactional. Um, we have found that there's been some delays with some mail. Um, not all, not all mail seems to be delayed. Um, I, we did some first class mail, um, probably I'd say back in June we tracked, it was, you know, could take up to two weeks to get delivered. That's very long for first class mail. Um, we did a recent test and it was there within three to four days. So I think that's improved, but I think it depends on probably uh, where it's being mailed to. Um, we do have uh, we recently went seamless and we set up a regular meeting with the, the Postal Service on a, a bi-weekly basis to make sure that um, we were in alignment with delivery methods and making sure um, things were getting, you know, pushed through the, the facilities in the right time. Um, so we're, we're trying to stay on top of it. I think it, it really varies, but... Um, I have seen more marketing mail in my in my box, and I think people are comfortable um, 
you know, doing, you know, mailing through the main, the, the postal service. Um, one thing that's been a challenge internally is that um, a lot of our customers are still working at home. So if we want to reach out to them through the mail, we've been asking them, we did a little survey, uh, how are you getting your mail at the office? Um, some customers are saying, well, I go in every two weeks and pick up my mail um, because we certainly want to be utilizing the, the, you know, the medium that, um, that we promote and we want to reach customers through the mail. Um, so it's been a challenge. Some customers are going to stay working at home. Some customers are now um, providing us confidentially with their mailing address at home to be able to um, send information to them directly. Some customers are um, not going to go back into the office. Some customers are. And so it's really trying to find out what the best method is to reach them. Obviously, we have email and, and we have we have digital and we have the phone, but um, it's been a challenge trying to figure out, you know, who needs to be, um, you know, connected with through their business address and who needs to be um, reached out to at home. So with our top customers, we've had to ask that question. I know for me, it's been difficult. I'm used to traveling and being able to meet clients and check out their facilities and, you know, um, you know, Teresa, I'm Italian, I'm a hugger. So, you know, this has been a, a challenge just not being able to connect with people. Um, and I see it definitely, um, I think the mail um, is definitely a way to connect. And I think that, you know, you're definitely um, having to use all different channels. So it's definitely bringing in the CCM and omni-channel um, a lot quicker than expected. Um, <clears throat> Eventually, we're going to enter a new normal in business, uh, but the effects of the crisis are, may linger for longer. Um, what does recovery in print service look like to you, uh, Teresa? I think um, one, one change is managing multiple addresses for the customer as people are still flexing, working from home and work. Um, I think the utilizing the um, different delivery channels, whether it be virtual meetings, um, digital, reaching out to customers digitally through um, uh, email or social media, um, the, reaching them through the mail and sometimes just regular conference calls seem to work. So I think we're having to balance more dif different ways to um, reach out to customers um, to get our message across and make sure we're meeting their needs uh, more specifically. I think it's taken, you know, adding, adding the digital offerings definitely along with um, using our own medium. I think being creative and trying to keep things on track with consistent communication efforts, consistent meetings where we've developed meeting cadences with all of our clients and we're trying to make sure that we stay on top of things and that we're, we're talking to them on a regular basis. So I think that I think 
to your point, the multi-channel um, efforts are more important now than ever. I did do uh, um, some email communications. My Our email communications to our customers are definitely getting read, and um, our direct mail communications are too. I don't have, we did a recent one. I don't have all the uh, response data back from that, but it'll be interesting to see. But I think having a having a mix in the way we communicate is um, one way that um, we can stay on top of things and make sure we're meeting our customers' needs. And how about you, uh, Doug? What's your new normal looking like? And you know, what does recovery look like? You think for the uh, industry going forward? Well, the new normal for us, I think, uh, is going to be uh, continued investment in technology that'll and automation that uh, that makes us more efficient. I mean, the the machinery that we're that we're buying now, um, inserters. Uh, we're, we've got an inserter that got installed last week that uh, literally runs two and a half times as fast as the other ones, and and it's auto setup. So. Uh, we're investing in technology that uh, is going to account for uh, the labor pool, uh, the reduced labor pool and, and bringing uh, folks on quickly so that they can uh, they can work in production. Um, the same with like the inkjet press. I mean, I am told that uh, a lot of these printers, um, when a pressman retires, they're potentially going to retire the press. Uh, you can Granted, it's a spend, but uh, this technology that we have, I, I've got two guys that were very sharp but didn't have industry experience. And in a couple of weeks, uh, they're running this press. They're trained and we're producing, you know, offset quality work. So I, I think that's the new normal for us is, you know, folders the same way. You can get folders with auto setups. Um, that's going to be the trend for us. The new normal is to constantly invest in technology to uh, to deal with uh, labor labor issues, um, continue to develop strong partnerships. Uh, I mean, I can't say I know this is not a sales pitch for Bellwoo, but the the automation tools that they've exposed us to have allowed us to onboard clients with some pretty tough projects and uh, and work in kind of a lights out environment. Um, so, surrounding yourself with uh, with good partners and um, Good information, the trade associations uh, and such um, is just going to make it stronger. Um, I don't have a crystal ball, though. Yeah. <laughs> as, I, as I look at what's going on around the country right now, it's really, if, if someone says they, they know what's going to happen and, and what market conditions are going to be like in three months, I, I mean, my hat's off to them. But I, I'm, I'm an eternal optimist, or I wouldn't have done some of the things that I've done, so, but I don't take you anything. Really you definitely are, Doug. One of the, um, I really would like to thank both you and Teresa for sharing today, because you're definitely um, giving us a positive outlook, but you're like cautiously optimistic. And I think yeah. that that's, you know, that's where we need to be, is uh, always looking towards the future. And this is definitely um, bringing our industry overall to more automation and smarter equipment. And those are those are heavy heavy investments. You know, some of this equipment's been around for a while, but you know, swing arm technology has been the same since the 20s. So you know that 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 piece of it works. But if you don't have somebody that's mechanical, that's going to be an issue. So it it yeah. is um, definitely uh, for me 
I'm somebody that started out and I have the tool bag. So for me, I understand how it runs, but I think that it is um, refreshing to be able to see to, to be able to get people trained in a few weeks and be able to understand what they're doing. Uh, definitely not all the postal regulations, but at least running the equipment. Right? Yep. Yep. Uh, one of the questions that um, we had, because we're finished up with my questions, one of the questions from the audience was, um, how, how are you staffing up um, at, at this point? So how are you how are you meeting your staffing demands? We're not. I, I, I'll speak. Uh, we're not quite. Uh, you know, just finding good. I mean, we're we're obviously tapping into a, a temp pool, but um, it's it's a real problem. I mean, I don't have a solution for it. Um, <laughs> no, I, you know, and if, I feel this like, you know, it's a good question because I think that we've got a lot of, I've seen a lot of ads and there's a lot of people advertising and, you know, for us, it's not, for our industry, it's not really work from home. You got to be there to run that press. <laughs> it's it's a tough labor market to be sure. And there's no, uh, there's no feeder uh, organizations that, um, that are helping us out. Uh, the graphic arts uh, uh, colleges, um, you know, it's, I, I don't have a I don't have a solution yet. Uh, I've suggested to Rico that they they donate one of their uh, one of their lines to a university and uh, a tech school and and start, start that's, that's, some trains trainees. Great, start thinking outside the box. How about you, Teresa? Um, how are you guys doing with with trying to attract labor? It's a constant challenge. We um, we have an HR person that has a uh, recruit recruiting skill set, so she's she's pretty savvy. Um, she's been able to uh, she's been more proactive, avidly recruiting for a couple of the positions that we did fill. Um, it's a challenge to get. Uh, we had to also. Um, increase our uh, wage for um, production workers and yep. our we have Abbott Labs, the lab that produced the testing kits for the pandemic in the park and they start people at $20 an hour and they've got signs everywhere. Wow. So it's it's been a real challenge. They have, you know, $1,000 signing bonuses. And so we have, we offer a really, um, I think a very generous um, benefits package, yeah. and um, so we're 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 offering employees bonuses for um, employee bonuses if they bring if a, a referral of theirs gets hired, um, and we're trying to do some incentives for employees, and we're trying to do things that um, you know give them a little bit of a break as well so but it has been a challenge um to keep staff we i mean on the other side we've interviewed people and recruited people and then thought they were hired and they just didn't show up so it's it gonna i think it's going to be an ongoing an ongoing challenge i think the biggest success we've had is um just talking to our staff and trying to get referrals um for for hiring that seems to be one of the things that um, seems to be filling somewhat of a gap, but it's ongoing. It's almost like you need um, an ongoing recruiting effort. It doesn't end. It just you're, you're, it's it keeps going, and um, 
You're, I yeah, think so if you find a good a, one, you got to grab them. Right? Yeah, that's, that's the new normal. I think ongoing, one of the things in the new normal is ongoing recruiting efforts. Um, I have one final question. It's kind of related to this one. How are you managing increases in paper and people and still managing your clients with contracts? So like thinning margins, how is that playing in? to your um, business? Well, we've talked about it um, at, the, at our uh, executive meetings. Our management team gets together weekly, and that's a, that's a dilemma because the paper is going up, and you do have contracts with customers um, for certain periods of time and for certain pricing. We do have paper riders in our contracts, mm -hmm. so um, that's a good, that's a positive. But, you know, it's a conversation you have to have with the customer about that. Um, just because you have a paper writer doesn't mean that they're going to be real happy about that. So um, some customers seem to be more accepting about the concept, and then others take a little more finessing. So we do, we have added paper writers to our contracts, I think. Uh, that's probably very interesting. That sounds like a, that's, that's probably pretty, pretty helpful there. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be common, paper writers. But yeah. if you've got a government contract, uh, you're you're in a world of hurt because yeah. or a GPO contract. I mean, they can fire you can't fire them, but they can fire you. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, that kind of that was the last question that we had today. Um, I know we're ending a little bit early, but. Um, I really wanted to thank you guys for your time and your thoughts. I know that we are, you know, we're not through it yet, but we're we're getting further. And it's really, uh, it's glad I'm glad to see two companies growing like yours are and being able to add equipment and and bringing in um, more resources. It's a pretty exciting time, especially see you leveraging customer portals and different things that we've talked about in our other uh, webinars. So thank you very much. You're, you're welcome. I hopefully you learned something. Hopefully, hopefully I imparted a little bit of knowledge, maybe. And would it be all right to um uh to share your emails in case anybody has any questions uh, when we send out our file our follow-up email to this? Yes, yeah, it's fine. I'm hey. fine too. No problem. Happy to help. All right, thank you. Um thank well that yep. Did you have uh, any final comments? No, uh, I think I learned a lot. Uh, it was a lot of fun, and I hope our audiences enjoyed as well. And thank you, uh, Teresa and Doug, for uh, agreeing to you know answer further questions and for sharing your emails. Really, really appreciate that. I'm very You're happy welcome. to be here. We appreciate the partnership. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much, everybody. Um, this was fascinating. Um, wish that we could have uh, taken care of the video element of it, but you know. Uh, we didn't have a PowerPoint, so you know, it was a good conversation. And I'd just like to thank everyone and tell you have a great day. Thank you. All thank right. you. Bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.